we're many people here mm. in a room. There's <laughs> 50 people. We're many. We're ah, also one. Because we're all here it. in this room. Yeah. You know? And so we're holding both those things. <laughs> so there's a unified self that is the self that recognizes that the self is multiple. Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain, more curious life. I'm Scott. And I'm Mace. Welcome to episode 200, everybody. 200! Yes, uh, So here we are on the mics, and tonight we are going to be discussing a project. A project. A project. A project. We're back here, and I have a class that the project is a translation project. And essentially what it is is I have to have chosen... A theologian to have studied and I have to translate it in a creative way. Bam. What better way to do that than to come on No Small Thing and translate it? And you have this medium, you have this platform. Exactly. They said what? <laughs> what were the options that you could do this? Oh, on? like create a blog post, write a children's book, which I was considering writing a children's book, write a sermon. Recorded on my podcast. <laughs> Where I have followers and listeners? Okay, sure. That's what I'll do. Didn't know I had that, did you, teachers, professors? Don't make me look bad. Listen to this. I'm hyping you up. Okay, so here we are. No small thing. What's the topic? Okay, so no small thing. We're less certain, more curious. (laughs) That's what we're all about here. And I feel like we have a new spirit developed in like the last year, probably two years, of free association. Right, Uh, yeah. Also, can I say something about that? Yes, you can. Uh, it was in the, I would say, first two years, and I don't know exactly when it crossed over. Mm-hmm. But I maybe I would say, now that we have a different vibe, and maybe it's years of it changing and evolving, it almost feels like in the first few years, it's like, try hard. Try too hard. Try hard. Right, like right, a right. try hard vibe. <laughs> we're like trying too hard to be curious. Well, and we're trying too hard to stick to the topic. Trying too hard to stick to the topic. And so I think we've let ourselves loosen up with this free association, with this idea of a topic invites us into thoughts, and we don't have to be afraid of how far beautiful, the associations beautiful. take us. What you're saying makes me want to record more. <laughs> you know, I think, I think, I think there were times in those early days where we were talking, and I started to get sleepy, and it was because. <laughs> It felt too stoic. It felt like we were trying to stay on script and keep it, even though it was fun and playful. Uh, it, it wasn't. It wasn't free association. It wasn't right, right. letting our minds go where it, a little looser. Yeah. So, so that's what that's what we're all about. No small thing. And then combine that with who my my uh, author author is, which is author. Oh, I can't author. say the words. I'm going to be <laughs> essentially pulling from Pamela Cooper White. Hmm. Don't know who a theologian, I, a theologian. And then I've got like some lacuna is like a wow. person that's influenced. And then Gabara. Wow. So this sounds folks, fancy. So folks, I know names. <laughs> uh, essentially what I'm going to be doing is talking about multiplicity. Beautiful. But a topic that we've covered many times. Exactly, we, We've covered this topic many times. We've actually already deep dove in a chapter deep of. Dovin. Yes, deep Dovin. Mm-hmm. A chapter. Don't you dare <laughs> even question or criticize us for a second, listeners. It's a new thing. We can invent language. Deep Dovin. I think that's a 
word. I, would, I, pro- <laughs> I, I don't know. You might be right. I would say maybe it's deep dived. <laughs> maybe. Deep doven. <laughs> Everybody, it's a it's an Instagram uh, poll. <laughs> Is it deep doven or deep dived? <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Let us know. Okay, so we've actually deep dived, doved a chapter from her book already, mm. The Other Within. Beautiful. So Pamela Cooper White is kind of like originally, right, of her early work is like a lot of like feminist, like theologian critique. And then she has a lot of this work around like what is called like pastoral theology. Beautiful. Which I'm like, I think you would vibe. It's of like, and she has a lot of influence with psychoanalytic thought. Wow. So she kind of combines this. And she's like, a Christian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's kind of combining. Yeah. I go to a, I go to a interdisciplinary school. I have to take a theology class. Yep. <laughs> so this, is, this is my theology class. So she kind of combines like this kind of this feminist theological approach combined with like a psychoanalytic approach, trying to think pastorally. I, I love everything you just said. And that's what I want to hear. And so then she has this book called test. Quiz. Brain itself. That's what, the book it we're called? talking about, Brain Itself. <laughs> and it's essentially this book on multiplicity, but it's coming at it from this very like rich perspective that is it's it's practical theology is kind of what she's thinking, pastoral theology. How do we how does the way people relate interpersonally and psychologically matter to us as pastors? And pastors. so it's kind, of, it's kind of a book written to pastors and therapists. It's Great. kind of a combination. Great. So that, that's that, why I like her because mm. it's like she talks about theological things, but then she looks, talks about them through like a psychoanalytic lens. And it's very cool. So that's everything I'm here for. That's everything I'm here for. Okay. So it's essentially book report times. Steven and the Stevens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of where I want to start. Come on. Don't be shy. Take your time. Well, I think it's, I guess the first thing I would just say is I want to be talking. This is my class that I'm presenting for is a God, gender, and sexuality class. God, gender, and sexuality. And I would say, okay, the first thing I'll talk about is I'll talk about the idea of multiplicity in the Trinity. Already primed and ready. Could not be more interested in that. (laughs) Okay. So this is Really could not be more interested. (laughs) Perichoresis, the Trinity. It is. It's very Multiple Stevens. It's very It's It's essentially that. Other within. Okay, so I think there's a really fun thing to play with, with the idea of multiplicity. And then there's this fancy word for the Trinity that is perichoresis. Does this come up in her discussions? This comes up. She has a whole chapter on Beautiful. it. Beautiful. Chapter it. called Dancing. Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> the Divine Dance. The Divine Dance. And so... She's kind of taking this idea and looking at the idea of perichoresis and which is it's many things in the sense that it's this idea of if God is Trinity, which is this kind of big giant tenet of Christian theology. Yes. What does that mean? That God is three in one. God is a relationship. God is a relationship. We've got this thing that's like a father in quotes, which then you could take that and kind of blow out the language of what's symbolically I do there. love that just my mind is going to Steven Universe. <laughs> what, where or are Trinity. You? I mean, I'm just thinking of like, you are an experience. You're an experience. No, it's Stevani. It's a <laughs> yeah. fusion. It's yeah. a fusion. Exactly. So there's this idea of the Trinity. So you have father and you have son, which you could also like blow out what that symbolically could mean. Like child, uh, part, 
other, all the things. All the things. And then there's spirit. And the perichoresis is kind of thinking about, and it's, it's developed out of feminist theology, and it's kind of thinking about this idea of three in one, not as stagnant, but as constant moving and changing. Beautiful. And within the dance, every person is at the same time always giving into the other and receiving from the other. Yes. So there's always this quintessential... It's, it's almost this fascinating, cool thing where it's both playing with some kind of binary of you're giving and receiving, but then it's three and one. And so yes. it's a dance <coughs> beyond that. It's like breaking out of that. A mystery, a paradox. Exactly. It's this beautiful organic. thing. Organic. It's yeah. organic. It's organic. Exactly. <laughs> you looked at me funny when I said that. Organic. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a mechanism. <laughs> so it's it, we can look at this Christian image this trinity and then use that in understanding ourselves Beautiful. is essentially and then understanding how to like work with other people which is why i would say r- worshiping a triune god is still very interesting and right. it's underappreciated in everyday christian conversations I i'm would not agree. saying it's a, it's it is a literally a, 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 a main tenant, a main thing. It's what defines part of what defines the Christian faith. And also it's not really talked about and it's conspicuous and strange and a little bit mystifying and a little bit uh, borderline offensive that we focus on Jesus so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it gives, it gives Americans in particular a excuse to worship a man and in this in in our way sometimes a a white 33 year old man that's true you know and so we don't have this idea very uh, 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 christians christians uh, t- come at me i don't right. uh, very few christians in my experience are are out here having deep discussions about the trinity right well okay so that's actually a great that's a great thought that that's leading into of this idea of like what are images of god like, what are our exactly, images like what are our images that we have for divinity? What are our images? And I mean, why are we even using the word God? Does it have to be God? Like mm. that, the thing beyond us, that which their divine mystery, all this language you could have. And the I perichoresis as an image for God is for me probably the most compelling yeah. in terms of what I feel like honors human experience, human variance, human fluidity, human motion. Love love these things. Love these words. Fluidity, motion. And we were talking about mutuality, reciprocity, give and take, back and forth. Exactly. Like that's what the that image, to me, I think it's such a profound image for Christian folks to Christian wonder folks. around. Yeah. I feel like I sound like you, <laughs> like you always that. say that, Christian folks. <laughs> I feel like it's a it's an interesting image. And I don't know, I mean, I've I've ebb and flow in terms of like where I lie within like my belief, but I grew up with enough Christianity to have um, reverence towards some of their symbols, mm. its symbols. And this is one that I will never un- like at the end of this episode, you need to sign a belief statement. A belief statement. Like I will always, <laughs> on a, despite whatever my feelings towards Christianity are, I'll always still find the image of perichoresis, a divine dance, the the things that are represented in this image to be compelling and grounding for me, yeah, and important. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, if that's, I guess, what it means. 
in theory, to worship. It means we're becoming like the thing we're worshiping. And so if Christians think they're worshiping a man or an old white man in the sky, I, I just know that that's what I think a lot of people think. <laughs> You're uh, looking at me. I'm like, that, nobody thinks that, but uh, no, people oh, do. I'll, I'll just talk about myself. Really me, 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 me. <laughs> that's what I pictured without even really understanding that I was allowed to picture anything else. Um, but that's why Christina Cleveland, who we've interviewed twice on this podcast, oh God is a black woman. That's helpful to change our, you know, images of God or the divine. And I love these phrases like the ground of being or ultimate concern for God. And if ultimate concern or ground of being or the thing we're worshiping or the thing we're trying to become is not a man, but a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's a non-hierarchical relationship. Exactly. So if it was exactly. describing the perichoresis, it's non-hierarchical. Yes. Even though you say God the Father or God the Parent, that yeah. doesn't mean God the Parent is in charge right. of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. No, because there's always a mutuality. There's mutuality. also a reciprocity. It's always in relationship. Yeah. The whole thing is saying, no, there is relationship being had. And that in some way, I hate the word conform, but that's what you're maybe trying to orient yourself around. Orient might be a better word than conform. And so in worship and in maybe reverence mm-hmm. to something, uh, you're trying to orient yourself around what you might find to be extremely compelling about the image of the Trinity and perichoresis, mm-hmm. a divine dance. So mm-hmm. it's not just this idea of like, if you think about like um, eating, I have heard, well, I won't get into that, but there, there's a view of heaven sometimes where I hear about these people who are around a table who have arms that are too long to feed themselves. And so they realize that they can feed each other. Yeah. 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 So that, that's something that might be like a mutuality, but like there is something about like a back and forth, but I also love divine dance, which seems playful and dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's not just like exactly. this pragmatic, like I'm feeding my, you and you're feeding me. We're giving back and forth. It's a dance. It's fun. It's dynamic. It's uh, infused with life and spontaneity and, Yes, yeah. yes. No, it, exactly. I kind of want to read this quote because it's everything you're saying. Read away, read this, away. This is actually from Lacuna, who is Pamela is in conversation with. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of talking about this idea of the dance being a dynamic thing, being this, uh, Here we go. like you're saying, a vital thing. Uh, choreography suggests the partnership of movement, symmetrical but not redundant as each dancer expresses and at the same time fulfills themselves toward the other. In interaction and intercourse, the dancers and observers experience one fluid motion of encircling, encompassing, permeating, enveloping, outstretching. Woo. There are neither leaders nor followers in this divine dance, only an eternal movement of reciprocal giving and receiving, giving again and receiving again. The image of the dance forbids us to think of God as solitary. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, isn't that a nice little snack? It's a nice <laughs> little snack. Yeah, I feel like I forget what movie it was, but you know that in our little online youth group that we hosted or host, not hosted, but uh, I was trying to. I don't think it was. It might have been a talk on the perichoresis, where it was Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper in that movie, and they're dancing. Oh, I think I, I think you what showed the that. Called. Yeah, yeah. But I just think it was so great because. It's such a um, sloppy, human, beautiful, semi-rehearsed yet not perfect dance where there's a lot of humanity and 
right silliness right. and right. beauty and right. and 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 rehearsed stuff mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it it's it's beautiful in the sense that they're connecting mm-hmm. and even as people observe mm-hmm. they're sort of shrugging off that it's not perfect because they know they're connecting and right. they know what the dance means to them. Right. Right. And that's really sweet. Um, okay. So <laughs> I feel like I want to take this in a direction of just like thinking, okay, so if this is our image of God yeah. and this is kind of what I think I would say Pamela Cooper White is doing with this book is this idea of like, if this is our image of God, then who are we and how are we braided together? It's like multiplicity. Did you say braided? Braided. Who yes. are we and how are we braided together? And I like to think of it as like multiplicity times multiplicity. Like multiplicity itself implies, I would <laughs> multiplicity say. Multiplicity times multiplicity. I would say it implies like <laughs> infinity. And so there's this, <laughs> <laughs> there's this other chapter she has that's, she writes pretty closely after this that's titled the other within yeah now like go back and listen did she to, coin that phrase i don't know if she coined okay. it but we but it's, it's a the familiar phrase title, small thing. and we have an entire episode on the other within that is pretty much made created after i read this a while ago awesome and it's this idea that okay so we think about this divine dance multiple three within one giving and receiving there is these this idea also of difference there's sameness and difference in that multipleness and then she starts to look at things psychologically like okay if we're multiple well let's also think about how multiple we are inside yeah and how we often have a hard time tolerating that we ourselves are a dynamic dance of giving and receiving that's going to have contradictions that's going to have big movements that's going to have change and fluidity that's a very scary thing yeah and so we tend to in our multiplicity cast off certain things and think it's coming from another person so that's other within vibes yeah so if we're saying as you said at the beginning that we're combining psychoanalysis and pastoral care so it'd be interesting to see what this means for your everyday pastor. Mm-hmm. But, uh, cause I do think like, I do remember going to a presentation at your school on transference probably 10 years ago. And it was like a game changer for me. So like mm-hmm. what could concepts like multiplicity and transference do for pastors? But right. all that to say, if we're just focusing on ourselves mm-hmm. and we are a reflection of God's image mm-hmm. and God is a divine dance. And so we're a divine dance. It does seem that, the thing that keeps me interested in Christianity is that these are untalked about things that seem to be in the realm of orthodoxy that like Christianity could be about something more than keeping people in line and committed to a one note version of themselves, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is what seems to be what Christians are doing. Exactly. Exactly. And it could be a way to get people to get into conversation with all their inner selves mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in in the context of a worship of a God that is also multiple. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, that's the thing is like when we start to imagine what multiplicity really implies, like it really implies like I am multiple. Mm-hmm. I have so much. So so again, okay, so I'm, I feel like I'm kind of jumping. We did Trinity and that's, I think, a beautiful idea for this idea of we are multiple. And then now we're entering this world of like this word multiplicity. Which I don't even know exactly how I define it as other than this idea that within one self, they contain multitudes. That is multi, 
aptitudes in the sense of, again, I think it's similar to the Trinity. It's something that feels infinite and relational. So all of our multiple parts are not just like, oh, I'm, I have anger and oh, I have this part of my personality and it's stagnant. It's like we have all these parts of ourselves, whether they be memories, people, personality traits, quirks, and then they dance together within the self. Beautiful. So it's all of these things. But then she has this other chapter where she talks about this idea of the other within, which I just think is a fun little detour for us, which is this idea mm-hmm. of often what happens when we are we see something that agitates us or makes us anxious or someone else is displaying... It, Someone else is making us feel either vulnerable or angry. Or judgmental. Or judgmental, maybe. There's potential that what that person is making us feel so agitated about is that they are exposing a part of ourselves we've estranged ourselves to. So if we're multiple, that's a lot. And often we, without realizing it, have estranged ourselves to our aspects of our multiplicity Mm -hmm. Um, we've let them go a stranger because they're too uncomfortable they didn't fit where we grew up they were some part that wasn't allowed and so it becomes a stranger and then when something's strange it's scary like psychologically we're scared of strangeness and so then we see that in someone else something that we've become a stranger to and made a stranger to ourselves and we have strong adverse reactions yep And often we don't realize it's like, wow, they're showing us potentially a part of ourselves that we've been estranged to. There's something in me that they're pointing me towards. And I could either turn my back against the person or I could wonder, oh, I wonder if I know that feeling. Well, it feels so scary. I wonder what that feeling is like for me. And just to wonder about that, about the self, that's an invitation towards more of your dance towards more of the multiplicity. Yeah. No, you're saying it so well. I mean, and, and I think if people wanted a tool, you could walk around in your life and you could and you could all of a sudden be invited to say, who's offending you? And then how does that maybe cue you to wonder about how you're repressing another within? Mm-hmm. That's a sign. You, you know, Whoever is offending you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people think about that. I'm like, I, I get very, I, I would say sadistically entertained when somebody's offended by somebody. I'm like, <laughs> so that must be a person that's and inside I, of you. I get relatively offended easily. Yeah. And I would say the other within has been a very helpful tool mm-hmm. to just help me wonder. That doesn't mean the other person hasn't done something relatively offensive. Sure. But to me, that's a helpful to name, but it also means I wonder where my part is too. Yeah. And how there's multiple parts at play here. And that person is also a person of multiplicity. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of that whole section. We'll start to wind down. I would say oh, this. Oh, wind down. Well, let me just say, well, let me say one thing yes. is, oh, 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 oh. I wind down. I'm having too much fun. <laughs> uh, I guess in terms of another within in uh, multiplicity, and I'm thinking about pastors because mm-hmm. everybody, as a reminder, I like that you really like pastor leaned into years. that. She's a pastoral theologian. Well, I, I mean, I've, I've always been, I've always been very interested in practical theology and I've all always been very interested in pastoral theology and practical pastoral stuff. 
And I'm obviously also very interested in psychoanalysis. And so in terms of multiplicity, I'm trying to think about like a pastor out there or any sort of like um, person in who who's like a caregiver or caring for people, the helping professions, you know. And one of the things that I think we talked about when Brian was on our podcast, when we talked about multiplicity, and I don't know if this is, this is in the realm of pathology, but let's think about this for a quick second and I'll hand it back to you. But, but mm-hmm. if think about like this, I'm, I'm making this up on the fly, mm-hmm. but ourselves are kept in rooms in our brains mm-hmm. and the rooms could look very different. The rooms could be padded cells where each person is in a straight jacket and they're treated as crazy. You know, that's how we treat our multiple selves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we deny them and treat them as crazy. Mm-hmm. And what Brian said mm-hmm. is that maybe it's in the realm of pathology that the selves can't talk to each other. Right. The it's about getting are them to strong. talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And exactly. so then we could create a room where they're all separate. And like that that might feel like everyday normal. I feel like that's me. The, the selves are kept in regular old rooms. Mm-hmm. They can open doors and close. But like... It, it would be a better way to be like these selves have access in a perichoresis way mm-hmm. to talk and interact. Yeah, I almost I imagine like the architecture of all this stuff. It's like a flow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and 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 so there isn't there isn't a need for it to be so hectic. The the weird thing is, is I think there's a fantasy in people's heads that if you let your multiple selves talk to yourself, you're going to turn into sort of I, I'm using this word pre- very lightly because i i'm i'm using this word as a, a non-professional yeah you're gonna say schizophrenic, schizophrenic. yeah yes. and and however it seems as if what i'm hearing and understanding through my own lay person research is that it's actually the exact opposite that when these selves can talk to themselves and integrate it's gonna it's gonna create a more dynamic self-assured grounded coherent self yes yes and as a Oh, well, the last thought. Yes. As a pastor, I will say, I don't think most pastors are sitting down with a person in the context of a pastoral counseling situation and trying to get these selves to talk to each other. I think there's there's a core self that the pastor already assumes is there and is trying to draw out that person mm-hmm. and spotlight that mm-hmm. character. And so I don't think it's really helping in the context of a conversation around multiplicity. <laughs> Thoughts. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm so, fired up. I mean, I want to say, so yes, I think you're bringing us into the next zone of, you brought up this idea of the fear is something like schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I can talk about schizophrenia from a mapping the mind, thinking about it in its psychological function. So, I mean, schizophrenia comes from this idea of schizoid, which is splitting. Mm-hmm. So it splits. And so you're naming that exactly like this idea of we in our early, early coming into the world, our main function to understand the world is a simple split. Mm. That's 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 a great way to make sense of things. Mm. Good, bad. Mom, not mom. Yep. Food, not food. Like the we start to split things. I mean, I think gender is a direct like mirror of how we split yeah like the way we try and keep things split yep is an interesting 
an interesting thing. Anyways, it so interesting. So and I, I wonder about if we can if we can apply multiplicity towards ourselves, towards our concepts like gender, like beautiful. But there's this idea of we split and then eventually, yeah, we do need to have our split parts in communication with each other. Mm -hmm. If there becomes these walls between them, then that's where it is confusing and fragmented. Yes. And I mean, islanded parts of self. Islanded. And so the the hopes here is that having a a theory of multiplicity, which is not fragmentation, but is this idea thinking back to the perichoresis. I mean, think about this whatever, parent, son, Holy Spirit, there's this sense of um, something that unifies. Like, I think the Spirit implies some kind of unity. And then, mm. the, I mean, think about also Trinitarian. It's like one of the base phrases people would say is it's unity and diversity. Yep, yep, yep. It's, it's holding both these things. We look at the paracreatic image. It's God is both three and one. Yeah. So with multiplicity, it's this beautiful theory that holds this idea of we have all these split parts. But that doesn't make me, it makes me many, mm -hmm. but I'm also a one. Yes. I am many and one. Yes. Just like also we in how we relate to community are. I'm all, like, we're many people here mm. in a room. There's <laughs> 50 people. We're many. We're ah, also one. Nah, we're all here it. in this room, yeah. you know? And so we're holding both those things. <laughs> so there's a unified self that is the self that recognizes that the self is multiple. And that is, I think, very liberating and very cool. And I think, like, those classes for, like, God, gender, and sexuality. And I think this is a very already queer notion. Like, I think, I mm, think about, okay. I yeah, think no, about I totally perichoresis, agree. and I'm like, why have I always loved it? And I'm like, well, I why feel... Why have I always loved <laughs> like, it? I feel like there's something very queering about this image. Mm -hmm. Perichoresis is this kind of paradoxical, three-in-one, femme kind of but like three are here. It's it's not traditional. Polyamorous? Yeah, there's something <laughs> open and fluid and non-traditional about it in totally. a way. That totally. I feel like, to me, as a... Enigmatic, strange, different, mysterious. Yes, exactly. Creative. Yeah. I, I, I feel as a... I don't know how I would define myself. At least non-conforming person. Ooh, love that. I, I'm a non-conforming person. At least that. <laughs> I, uh, in somewhere in the queer umbrella, I find this to be a very hopeful vision for, I, I think it's a hopeful image for if, hey, you're queer and wanting to integrate God in your life, and that's a part of your history, I think this is a very hopeful image where it's like, well, it's been queer all along, you know, like that, that's, that's been in here all along. Yeah. I think a word that is, is still very helpful for me is recovery. It's like, there's certain concepts that need to be recovered, mm -hmm. certain things that have been <laughs> way overemphasized mm -hmm. and in the realm of our, our boy, Adam Phillips, we could say redescribed. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, so I like, that there are, it's not, this is what I want people to know. It's not, it's not a sub side note. This should be a basic tenant of the Christian faith. It should be front and center. So the fact that it's not 
is very intriguing to me and it leaves room for a lot of of rich conversation if somebody wants to remain in the Christian tradition. My uh, professor, shout out to Dr. Neenhaus, we had an assignment we did in class literally that was we would read things and then we'd have to write, this deserves a Trinitarian interrogation. Yeah, so that's, and, there it is. And interrogate what was being said through yeah. a Trinitarian lens. Yeah. And it was like, what? how is this Trinitarian? And he was really talking about like early church and then thought and how it spread out and kind of lost sight of this I recovery. Mean, I like that. L- let me just say this and cut me off if you're not vibing. You just cut, cut me right off. Like... I think one of the things that rewired my brain was when I read Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright, and he basically just took down all of our images of heaven. It's like this; these images of heaven are bullshit. Like, not they're not biblically accurate. And I, and I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. At the time, I was probably like 27. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this makes so much obvious sense to me. I, I didn't have a sophisticated language, but I was like, I've almost been brainwashed mm-hmm. by propaganda. And I'll say another free association is recently in our international youth group that we host. We were talking about these European kids were telling me, I always just thought there was a through line between like St. Nicholas, father, Christmas, Santa Claus. I thought this was a character that migrated over to the U S but they're like, no, Santa Claus is not St. Nicholas and truly wasn't actually even inspired by. And Santa Claus is his invention of the Coca-Cola company. And I looked it up and it was. And I'm like, our whole world is obsessed with Santa Claus. That was just an invention of Coke. Right, right. And I'm like, what the heck? And so all that to say, my images of heaven are not biblically accurate. Mm -hmm. And then there's one blasphemy association for fun. I, I did have this up in the youth house of the church I worked at for 11 years. There was a picture of a boy playing baseball, a white American boy playing baseball with sort of a magical Jesus helping him hold his bat. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and I'm saying like, these are things that like are funny, but I just had that up in the youth house for the kids to look at in the bathroom. But I was like that, that sort of like, we don't have art and images of the Trinity. Really? We don't really, we don't, at least not in the, we have lots of pictures of Jesus, at least not in the like white reformed church. Yeah. And we don't have much. I'm sure there's art out there. I don't, none readily comes to mind. And so what would happen if we really started taking that seriously combined with the psychoanalytic understanding of multiplicity? That sounds great. Right. Which is what we're kind of here doing. We're here doing. Um, Okay. So I think this pretty much covers most of it. I think that (laughs) essentially I would say her book is really cool and her writings are really cool. And I would say, because I'm doing this for a project. A like, project. Uh, the biggest translation or the thing, the takeaway for me from reading Pamela Cooper White has been this really sweet idea of like, she begins the book with this idea of like thick theory, which is like, you can have theory that has layers to it and contradictions within it. So that way, when you meet something in the world, you have areas where you have a really thick strand because that's what you use, but that thick strand will not always apply. So you have, have a, a, a braid of theories, have a braid of understandings, have kind of, it's, she's kind of taking this idea of multiple within one to every part of life and the self and all the things. And I just love that. And so I guess there's that invitation, like the invitation to, uh, the self and invitation to just continual expansion, growth, 
change. And, and the strange things are less scary when we know them. They tend to be, at least. I'm, I'm thinking about conversations you and I were having with Dr. Tina Shermer-Sellers and thinking that like part of what she's attempting to do in supervision is help people make sure that they've dealt with their stuff so that when they're talking to their clients, they're not reacting in ways that would be triggering or harmful to their clients. Right. And if you have a thick theory, it seems, as a, whether a therapist or a pastor, that it's at the very least, if it's other within and multiplicity, you'll have embraced this other within so that you're not offended when somebody's bringing something to you. Or you can at least go, whoa, I'm feeling something. And even just you going, whoa, I'm feeling something and not having it be entirely only because that person made you feel that way. Right, That you absolutely. had something in it. Yes. Then you can be more relaxed when that starts to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were thinking about your everyday average, I'm just saying helping profession. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like pastor. I'm talking about like a a youth counselor at a youth club, you know, like the Boys and Girls Club or something. I used to work at the Boys and Girls I know. Club. Like your everyday person in the caring, helping professions, and you're taking these concepts you've brought today in terms of perichoresis, multiplicity, other within, how would you describe some sort of bit of advice, like a little takeaway, like a little bit of like practical, not theory, but like here's something when you're interacting with the people who are trying to care for to keep in mind. Well, I think begins with yourself. Yeah. So I would say that that if if you can be in communication with yourself, I think that's like, I don't know, giving advice is a funny thing. I don't know if I like giving, oh, giving advice. Giving advice, a thought? A thought. Giving a thought? I think, okay, here would be the thought. Here <laughs> would be the thought. I'm setting you up wrong. Here would be the thought. I, I think that what this invites for us is, this can be very scary and daunting. We're multiple, things are changing. It's constantly changing and growing and mm-hmm. everything's dynamic and it's all of that. Yeah. I think that this is when taken in its full terrifying. And sometimes I'm like, why do I believe in this? But I think the thing is life is chaotic. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of the order of life. I mean, the only constant in life is change. Like I really am like a, a, that to me is something that I find to be important to remember. And so I would say the advice is always like, I don't know, like, this invites us to be a little less afraid of parts of ourselves and others that scare us because, hey, change is inevitable. Things are going to be scary. We're going to be met with things that are unknown and new to us, both within ourselves and with other people. So growing more open to the change will help make it a little less scary, actually, even though it seems scary to be open to it. But actually, the openness towards it will allow you to have probably more control in the chaos than if we're so afraid of preventing chaos because uh, it's, there's so many factors always happening like with multiplicities within self, other community, all this stuff, there's always so many layers. So if we can be more open to them, then that it's like, cool, I've got 1% more in this chaotic Mm. unknown of today, you know, like that's, that's really it. It's still a chaotic unknown of today. Like what, who will I meet today? Who will I meet today? I think that's a question you can ask yourself. Yeah. And like hope to meet new people. Mm-hmm. In yourself you know? and uh, in yourself and yeah. other, you know, like 
I, I, who will I meet today? What, what new thing will I discover today? Yeah, I, I'm feeling this sense in a imaginary world where we put down our mics and take questions now or something from the audience. <laughs> from but the audience. It is. It, it, that's very helpful. This was very nourishing for my soul tonight. Like, I have a lot to think about, and I'm really grateful that we got a chance to talk about this. It's just a short little episode, but it's very helpful. Is there anything? Check out the book, Braided Cells by Pamela Cooper White. Um, also... Yvonne Gabara writes Longing for Running Water, which is a really beautiful book on the Trinity that is like from an eco-feminist perspective that I didn't even really get into, but like also what I least suggest. Um, and yeah, that's it. We'll put these things in our show notes on our website. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> done that a long time. Hey, everybody. Thanks okay. for listening. Next week, we will be back with some Daniel content. We Get excited Daniel. about that. It's Daniel and Scott, the two nines, although Daniel is currently now wondering if they're a three. We're going to get in the soup. It's soupy, everybody. It's, soupy. it's different That's than Mason, Mason Daniel. It's Scott and Daniel. It's going to be soupy. A little less punch. Okay. All right. Uh, bye, everybody.